0: Hello, it's August 2nd, 2023, my name is Simone, and this is a special edition of 90s Crime Time. Hello and welcome to a brand new special edition episode of 90s Crime Time. And if you're new to 90s Crime Time, welcome to the show. And why is this episode a special edition? Well, today's episode is what I like to call a mini-sode, which means this episode is going to be pretty short, like super short, almost maybe like a brief, uh, rather than a minisode. I don't know. It's going to be really short. That's the moral of the story. But I think this story will still be interesting to you all. I'll go ahead and give a disclaimer that today's minisode may be a little controversial to some because it has to do with a police officer and contains the subjects of domestic violence. So I'll go ahead and state, listener's discretion is advised. And with that, let's dive in to today's case. (laughs) The year was 1997. And in Queens, New York, many people here love to live and visit here. And why wouldn't they? Reports state Queens was home to one of the most diverse populations in the United States. And many said Queens had a great way of life. Many people could have the job they wanted. Or if they didn't have the job they wanted per se, they didn't have to search hard for any job at all. Also. Queens was known to have a variety of higher education options to mold young minds for the professional world. Lastly, many parts of Queens, at least at that time, were known as hubs of friendly and vibrant individuals. And even though lots of non-New Yorkers saw New York as too busy or possibly as an unsafe and scary place, many Queen's natives saw their borough as safe and not too scary at all. However, on a warm Queen's Day in June 1997, a local woman was not feeling safe. She went to the ones she thought could help her, but in the end, it would cost her her life. In the following case, you'll find out who this woman was and about her situation the investigation, and the aftermath in a case I title, Bliss. Back in 1972, in Queens, New York, a baby girl named Bliss Verdon was born. She grew up in Maspeth, Queens, and did well in school as she grew up. She went to a local Catholic school during her freshman year in high school, and while there, she was a popular girl with the staff and students. A report stated, that many thought Bliss was so fun that she quote-unquote made the uniform look cool. She eventually transferred to a school for humanities for the rest of her high school years, where she and other students were encouraged to express human thought and creativity. After she graduated, Bliss entered the State University of New York at Stony Brook, where she majored in anthropology and minored in African studies. And during her senior year, she spent some time in Ghana where she volunteered for families in need. After she graduated college, she became a social worker. And even though Bliss's focus was to help people and learn more about the ways of the world, she also loved to have fun and hang out with friends. A report stated that in May 1996, Bliss traveled to a Manhattan nightclub, and as she danced the night away, she met a man who piqued her interest, and his name was Rodney Dilbert. Not much is known about Rodney, but what is known is that in 1996, Rodney was 27 years old and was a Brooklyn native. He spent time in the U.S. Army and served in the Persian Gulf War. After his service, Rodney became a transit police officer in 1993 and moved to Staten Island near his brother, who was a highway patrolman. Reports state that when Rodney met Bliss, he was smitten, and she seemed to be very interested with him as well. Reports further state that almost immediately after they met, Bliss and Rodney became intimate, and they were stuck on each other. Due to their hectic schedules, they would mostly meet up on the weekends at each other's places, and they eventually became a couple And everything seemed to be fine. However, reports state that just a few months later, around Christmas 1996, Bliss decided she wanted a new man. It's unclear if she was just bored with Rodney or what happened, but she told her mother it was pretty much over with her and Rodney. So, Bliss eventually told Rodney that she wanted to break up and reports state he didn't handle it well at all. He pleaded with Bliss to reconsider, but she refused. In response, Rodney would call Bliss nonstop and most times Bliss would answer but refuse to talk to him in length. And when she wouldn't answer at all, Rodney would call even more. After Bliss brought in a roommate, the roommate would pick up the phone when Rodney would call, and he would allegedly ask her to put in a good word for him so he could get back with Bliss. When that didn't work, Rodney allegedly would stalk Bliss around different boroughs of New York and her job. When it all became too much, Bliss told her mother she was going to switch jobs and apartments. And that way, Rodney for sure couldn't find her. But until she made this change, she remained in her same home and still got numerous phone calls from Rodney. Reports state that Rodney's calls eventually turned threatening when he would call Bliss and curse her out on the phone calling her anything from a whore and bitch to even calling her white trash. When Bliss apparently told him she was going to call his bosses at the police station, Rodney apparently told Bliss, quote-unquote, you can't do shit to me, you dumb bitch. Shut up, whore. But true to her word, on May 5th, 1997, Bliss called 911 and told operators about Rodney's harassment, and she stated he was an officer. Reports further state that Bliss's claim was forwarded to Sergeant Charles Castro because at least at that time, any calls against an officer was reported to a sergeant. Sergeant Castro passed the case to another colleague named Sergeant John Taggart, and eventually... Sergeant Taggart made his way to Bliss's apartment to get an official statement from her. While he was there, Rodney called. Sergeant Taggart answered the phone and told Rodney that if he called Bliss again, he would be arrested. The report state Sergeant Taggart left Bliss's home without taking a report or notifying the NYPD's Internal Affairs Bureau, which was standard procedure. Due to this error, Rodney ignored Sergeant Taggart's warning and continued to harass Bliss. By May 29th, Bliss went in person to her local precinct to file another complaint. This time, she was interviewed by a civilian clerk. Bliss told the clerk about Rodney's harassment and added that just recently, Rodney had followed her on the train on her way to work and when they got off the train, he confronted her very aggressively. But even after this complaint, reports state the civilian clerk failed to notify a supervisor, which was against policy. Meanwhile, the next day on the 30th, a desk sergeant found Bliss's first complaint in a pile of paperwork. He called his supervisor, Captain Kenneth Weigweiser, and asked what they should do about Bliss's complaint. However, reports state that Captain Wegweiser was apparently preoccupied clearing traffic tickets for a prominent senator of the state. Therefore, Bliss's complaint was thrown back in the pile after the supervisor deemed her case no immediate threat. However, by June 2nd, Her complaint did make its way to the Internal Affairs Bureau, and it was apparently forwarded to the Chief of Patrol, which was to be forwarded to the Queens North Inspection Unit, which was the highest unit to do investigations at the precinct. But by the fourth, Bliss had not heard anything since she made her second complaint, and she was still dealing with Rodney's harassment. So she called Rodney's boss, Captain Stephen Savas, to find out why no one had followed up with her regarding her complaint and why no one had done anything about Rodney. Even though by now Bliss had gotten a new job as a social worker at a violence prevention program, she knew Rodney wouldn't be too far away. And she was right, because everywhere Bliss went, Rodney was pretty much always near her. It's not clear what Sergeant Savas told Bliss, but reports state after the phone call, he got in contact with Rodney's direct supervisor, who told Sergeant Savas Rodney wasn't acting out of the ordinary. Therefore, Rodney was not questioned, and no further action was taken. But the next day, on the 5th, Bliss's complaint arrived at the desk of the Chief of Patrol's office. But the complaint lingered for days in limbo. No one by this point took Bliss's complaints seriously. 5 days later, on the 10th, at 11:15 a.m., Bliss's complaint was sent to the Transit Bureau Inspections Unit because Rodney was a transit cop. Hours later, a 911 call came in reporting two bodies laying near a payphone on Roosevelt Street in Queens. It was reported that a man had gunned down a woman who was using a payphone, and then killed himself. When emergency personnel arrived, the victims were identified as 25-year-old Bliss Verdon and 28-year-old Rodney Dilbert. Upon further investigation, it was determined that after Bliss got done working a shift, Rodney called up with her as she was walking out of the building. It's unclear if Bliss saw him, but she did stop at a payphone to make a call, although it's unclear to who. Then... Rodney pulled out his pistol and shot Bliss eight times, killing her. He then put the gun to his mouth and pulled the trigger, killing himself. And what Bliss didn't get to see was that her case was finally assigned to a detective the same day she lost her life. After the murder-suicide, Bliss's case outraged the public. Once it became known that she begged for help at least a month in advance before her death. It also caused outrage when it was reported that Captain Wegweiser allegedly put her case on the back burner to take care of a prominent senator's traffic tickets. Due to the scrutiny of how Bliss's case was handled, the NYPD announced that they had fired Sergeant Taggart, but no one else who came in contact with the case. A report further stated that when another detective offered to interview Bliss about her complaint, Captain Wegweiser determined it wasn't necessary because her complaint was vague. Another report also unearthed that back in 1994, Rodney's guns were temporarily taken away because he pointed one of his guns at his head and another at another officer's head while out at a bar. But luckily, they were unloaded, and no one knows why he did it anyway. After her daughter's murder, Bliss's mother, Joanne, said in response to Captain Wegweiser's dismissal of Bliss's case, in favor of the senator's case, quote, My daughter's life is far more important than any politician's ticket. No one along the line has been willing to take responsibility. Right up the line, they passed the buck, end quote. In an unfortunate silver lining, eventually after her death, a scholarship was named in honor of Bliss, for outstanding students at SUNY Stony Brook. The story of Bliss Verdon's murder comes from the sources of the New York Times, the New York Daily News, and others I'll put in the notes. All right. I know that was a tough one, especially, uh, well, especially any cases with domestic violence. Um, I didn't want to be too controversial, but I had heard of this case um, several months ago, and I put it on my 90s Crime Time Instagram page, um, and I didn't know much about it even then, but I kept researching. There's not a lot of sources on Bliss's case, but what I did read was very eye-opening and sad, uh, at least to me. But one thing I wanna say is that Bliss was definitely failed. And I think all the cops who and the civilian clerk who were who knew about this case or who worked the case should be fired, not just um Sergeant Taggart. Now, this is not an anti police episode, it's just what happened and for me I do think they everybody involved should have been fired. Um from rodney's bosses bosses to everybody involved um i do think sergeant taggart did not do a great job either i know he went apparently the same day um to um question bliss about the case but what apparently he told an interviewer that he didn't even know that rodney was a police officer but then again i think he did i don't know i think he's just trying to save himself i don't know um because apparently, like I mentioned, every, like a lot of these cases that are against police officers are given to sergeants. And I know that a lot of police officers protect each other, uh, especially if they're possibly going to be in trouble. And I'm not saying that's what happened. Maybe it slipped his mind that Bliss or uh, Sergeant Castro, who originally had the case, told him that um, Dil- uh, Rodney was a police officer. And um, I think everybody, like I said, again, should be fired, should have been fired um, for Bliss Verdon's murder. Not to be in trouble for the murder per se, because that was all on Rodney, but they did not do their job in protecting her, in my opinion. Now, I know that if he had gotten fired and got a restraining order, I know that's just, that's just a piece of paper and he may, and you know, that may not stop him stopped him from killing bliss anyway unfortunately but it would have seemed like they would have cared about her enough um and held a fellow officer involved a fellow officer to task you know held him accountable for what he had done how he had harassed her all these months um just because she wouldn't get back with him and threatening her and calling her names and all this and that. And um, it's just, I think everybody should have been fired. And I don't know if Rodney actually found out about the complaint Um, It was a sign finally on the 10th, the day of the murder-suicide. So maybe that day before the evening of the murder-suicide, he found out and that's when he finally snapped and decided he was going to kill her. I don't know. I don't know if he was going to try to kill her before, uh, kill Bliss before he found out about the complaint, if he found out about the complaint. But I I don't know. And I don't know if Bliss, like I said, I don't know if she saw him um, when he ran up to her at the payphone and killed her. I don't know if she tried to call for help while using the payphone. I don't know. And I don't know, like I mentioned, why didn't anyone call the Bureau? Because that was standard procedure. The civilian clerk didn't call the Bureau. Um, The sergeants didn't call the Bureau. And let me backtrack. I read um, from the New York Daily News that Sergeant Castro originally had the case, but since he was going to divorce court or whatever, he felt like he didn't have time or it was going to stress him out too much. I don't know. But... He handed it over to Sergeant Taggart. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Is that still your job? I've never gotten a divorce. I'm not a part of law enforcement, but i that's still part of your job, sir. You were handed this case to look into it and you brushed it away because you are too stressed from divorce court. Like, come on now. And it's just ridiculous. And I don't know, maybe if they had looked into our case thoroughly enough, maybe they would have realized that Rodney was a transit cop um, and maybe put the case over to the transit unit early on if they had paid attention and not had, you know, just put her case under a pile of paperwork and got into it later. Because I know that a lot of cases that had to deal do with domestic violence and a lot of cases that had to deal with fellow officers just get put on the back burner because they don't want to deal with it. I know, but it's just so stupid and ridiculous. And um, also when I went to the websites of Bliss and Rodney's, Find a grave. Um, If you know what that is, if you don't know what that is, it's where people leave messages to people who have passed on. It's like a memorial site. And I went to Bliss's memorial site and a lot of people left flowers saying how much they loved her and how she was literally, uh, she's lived up to her name, Bliss. Also, an interesting name, sidebar, very interesting, lovely name, named Bliss. Um, And also, when I went to Rodney's, um, a lot of his people did great things, said great things about him as well. And I know people have families and all that stuff, but I was just like, wow, he literally killed someone and then killed himself. But I know people are tormented, but I still think maybe he should have been held accountable even in death, or maybe not saying anything at all. Because um, one, one post in his find a grave uh, memorial said, um, it's always the hardest this time of year, the holidays, your upcoming birthday, the reality and sadness that as a big sister, I'll never see my little brother again. Know that my heart has never stopped aching for a life lost. So unfortunately, love you. Um, obviously I'm assuming that's from a sister and it says during the holidays, because Rodney was born on uh new year's Eve. And, um, I, like I said, I know that, um, People have loved ones, no matter how wrong they did. But I just think he should have been held accountable because um, he was technically a murderer. He was a murderer who, you know, suffered from issues. He couldn't handle rejection. And that brings me to another post that I saw on uh, uh, another blog. And it said, quote, I am a Dilbert, which is um, Rodney's last name. So this is part of his family. It says, I'm a Dilbert, and I'm so sorry for the loss of Bliss's innocent short life. So many people are still hurting behind this incident, including my family. NYPD has gotten it wrong so many times. Rodney clearly was in need of some therapy, but the way NYPD handles them when they request help, they are afraid to come forward. Rodney was a sweet, kind-hearted guy, raised in a two-parent household with five siblings. He loved animals, sports, and his family. He would bake cakes for his mom regularly And bring them to her home when they visited. When he visited, he also was honorably served in the United States Army before starting his career with NYPD. I know these were horrific circumstances, but he was no monster. He was a young guy in love who could not accept rejection. This former love story had a tragic ending that I'm sure we all wish we could change. My family is truly sorry for your loss. May the memories you have of her give you peace in the your darkest hours, the Dilbert family. Again, that's really sad and I'm glad how I think this that post was holding him more accountable for what he did. Um, maybe he did reach out for help. Maybe he knew he had mental issues, maybe he knew that he couldn't handle rejection, but I, I still wish that, you know, he was held accountable more in these posts but like i said it's not my loved one who committed this heinous crime and you know i it's just sad all around and um that's it thank you for tuning in to this short episode of 90s crime time and i hope it was still interesting to you uh, I apologize that I was late with another new episode, but like I've mentioned before, uh, my mom is not the greatest in health-wise, uh, therefore I do have to care for her a lot of the time, and she comes first. However, I do try to release new episodes, just like I did now, and also I have gotten episodes together for the rest of the month of August— which includes mini and full-length episodes, so look out for those new episodes, including one tomorrow that will be longer. Uh, If you haven't already, um, you can leave a review and or rate the show on any platform that has a ratings option and I would love a nice review, but if you're not a fan, that's okay, too. Um, like I said, I know I've been doing this for a few years now, which is kind of crazy to say, um, and I'm trying to get better. I really am. I hope I'm doing okay still to the guys who have followed 90s Crime Time for a long time, and I appreciate you guys and the new fans of 90s Crime Time. If you are a fan, um, I know I need to get new equipment, because sometimes there's a creaking noise in the back, like it is kind of now. <laughs> it's kind of annoying, but I'm trying to get enough money together to get new headphones. Um, if if you want to help a girl out get new headphones and make the quality better you can definitely help out and message me <laughs> but until then I will try to work around these headphones that are getting on my nerves but again thank you again for tuning in to this mini stay safe and healthy and I'll see you soon for a brand new full-length episode of 90s Crime Time.